Hey, this is Rachel, and welcome, 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 welcome to the Live with Rachel. To the Live with, to the Rachel. Live with Rachel. Rachel. Rachel podcast. 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 Welcome to the Live with Rachel podcast. Hey everyone, it's Rachel. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you have joined me today. Today we're going to be talking about dating, specifically when Christians date non-Christians and everything to do with that. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic is because I'm seeing it more and more in our day-to-day lives. Like I'm seeing it in real life, I'm seeing it on social media, and I'm sure you who are listening, you have had some experience with this area as well, whether you've personally gone through uh, this scenario or you've seen your friends go through this scenario. For me, I'm a part of a Facebook group um, where it's a a Christian community group where we post prayer requests and questions and encouragement for one another and things like that. And I saw a post by this one girl who's a Christian and she was dating a guy who wasn't a Christian And she felt prompted by God to break up with him because she felt like that's not what God wanted for her. And the non-Christian guy was completely angry about it, of course. He flipped out when she broke up with him. He called her all of these mean things. And he told her that it's very discriminatory to dump him just because he wasn't a Christian and so on. You know, you can you get the picture. Um, which understandably, you know, when you break up with someone and it's kind of messy, hurt feelings, you know, get in the way, you, you say things you don't really mean. Um, it could be just very upsetting altogether. A breakup isn't very pleasant. <laughs> so this particular post is what prompted me to want to talk about this topic today. Um, so if you know nothing about Christian dating or marriage, you're definitely listening to the right episode today. If you want to hear more, I've got more episodes on it and I'm sure there are other amazing resources out there. Ask John by, you know, John Piper, the John Piper devotional, the well, that's good podcast. I know talks about dating sometimes. Moral revolution is a very good one. And there are many more. I will link them all in the description if you are interested. But going back to what I was talking about, straight away, I want to say that for a Christian, just right off the bat, dating a non-Christian isn't very wise. Um, and marrying one, I hate to say, isn't really an option. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says in the Christian Standard Bible, Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? And in the Amplified Bible, it says, uh, Do not be unequally yoked, bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So some of you may be wondering, like, what is a yoke? A yoke is a wooden bar that joins two oxen together to whatever it is that they're trying to pull, whether it's a cart or a plow. It's usually a plow. But the the term unequally yoked uh, can often mean a stronger ox tied to a weaker ox or a taller with a shorter one or an ox tied with a donkey. And, you know, you get the picture. For an example, let's just say a weaker ox is tied with a stronger ox. In that case, the weaker ox would be slower than the stronger ox. And, you know, you're not going to get very far. (laughs) Or if it's an ox tied with a donkey, you know, the ox might want to go in one direction and the donkey might want to go in another, which will result either you going in circles or you just don't move at all. (laughs) 
But yeah, you get the idea, hopefully. So basically, when two ox are not equally yoked, they cannot perform the task that they have in front of them. And rather than working together, they're actually working against each other. So this is what the verse is talking about. When a believer, when a Christian dates or marries an unbeliever, they're just complete opposites. They're not working together for a common goal. They're working against each other, just like light and dark are opposites. They'll be at odds with each other for the entirety of their marriage. And Frankly, that's just that sounds really exhausting, just constant fighting and arguing all the time. The passage further goes on to say in verses 15 to 17, I'll read it in the New Century Version, how can Christ and the devil have any agreement? What can a believer have together with a non-believer? The temple of God cannot have any agreement with idols, and we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and I will walk with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Leave these people and be separate, says the Lord. Touch nothing that is unclean and I will accept you. It also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, I'm pretty sure that's a very clear verse. It's, it's right there. It's very blunt. So when Christians have any kind of intimate relationship with non-Christians, it can quickly become an issue in a Christian's walk with Jesus. You might find them not being so vibrant in their faith, you know, not being so bold for Christ. They start to compromise more and more and, you know, they just start to become lukewarm and ineffective idol Christians, so to speak, especially because Christians are actually called to talk about Christ and to live a Christ-like life and to tell others about the good news of Jesus and to not live the same life as an unbeliever. However, you might say, but, you know, just because they're an unbeliever doesn't mean that they're bad company. They're actually a very beautiful and kind person inside and out. So it really shouldn't matter if they're a Christian or not. I love them. I'm going to marry them anyway. And to that, if you're a Christian saying that, then I would lovingly and gently say that you should please remember what redemption is. Remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. He died for our sins, and we are all in need of redemption, every single one of us. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 24 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6, he even says that even our best selves next to God are like filthy rags. And even more so than that, Jesus himself told his followers, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So the Bible makes it pretty clear. <laughs> I've seen some people think that missionary dating is a good idea, and if you don't know what missionary dating is, it's basically having the approach of dating someone who doesn't believe in God with the hopes that as the relationship develops, the other person will eventually become a Christian or they'll be more Christ-like or they'll you know, be more on fire for the Lord and things like that. But it's kind of a bad idea because if you think about if you think about if you were standing on top of a hill or a platform and your partner was on the ground below them, do you think it would be easier for you to pull them up or would it be easier for them to pull you down? Because I think with, with gravity working on their side, it would definitely be easier for them to pull you down. So the same way works with being unequally yoked in a dating kind of a relationship. Okay, so for this next part, I'm going to be talking specifically to the Christian who is listening to this. If you're in this situation, um, I'm talking to you. So 
We need to look at Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 28. It's God's design for marriage and how it's called to be a partnership. So from verses 27 to 28, it says, So God created man in his own image. He created him in in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. So from that verse where it's pretty clear that we are ruling creation under God's rule. Now, this means that when we make decisions, we should be asking ourselves, am I doing what is pleasing to God? Am I just pleasing myself? Am I pleasing other people? Like, what is my core motivation for doing what I'm doing? So later in Genesis chapter 2, verses 17 to 25, it says this, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that you eat of it, you will certainly die. This is where God has put Adam to rule, and he's to rule creation within God's constraints. Now, you can say that the two trees represent life and freedom, and the other one represents cursing and death for refusing to live under God. Later, God actually says it's not good for the man to be alone. So Eve is made, and together that they're able to carry out what God has said. Now, from this whole Bible verse reading and all of the putting it together, you can clearly see that what God is creating here in this covenant, in this marriage, it's it's a partnership in doing God's work together. Man and woman, you come together in marriage um, in order to do God's work together here on earth. And that's the picture of what a Christian marriage is. So a Christian marrying a non-Christian, you're not able to partner together in doing God's work together because you've got two different goals. You've got two different ideas of how the marriage is going to work. And because you're not on the same page, um, it's just going to be very frustrating and tiring. So when a person is called to salvation, meaning going from being against God to being for God, it involves growing in becoming more and more like Jesus. You're growing in Christian virtue and to serve God by good works. And you can read more about that in Second Peter or Ephesians. I'm not talking about being saved by doing good things. That's a whole other thing that I'm not I'm not going to get into. But every Christian has a calling, a purpose on their life, and we discover our calling and our purpose by walking closely with the Lord, practicing obedience to Him, surrendering our lives to Him so that He can use us and use our talents and gifts for the greater good. Now, how can you do that if the closest person in our life, our long-life partner, isn't supporting that? Like, really think about it. Also, If you just check out the Old Testament, it is filled with warnings against marrying unbelievers. If you just read from Genesis 24 onwards, you'll see how important it was back then. Marrying non-believers were often the downfall of kings, and it led to God's people being led astray many, many times. So if you think about wanting to have a stronger walk while following Jesus, uh, and you decide, oh, I want to marry a non-believer, then you're you're really setting yourself up for failure. And if I'm, if I can say so, <laughs> um, you could even say that maybe your pride is getting in the way. You know, you're putting this person first rather than God. You're, you're thinking that you're a lot stronger than you really are by saying, oh, well, I can be a Christian and marry a non-believer. I'm still going to be strong in my faith. But I think the key thing to remember is we are a lot weaker than we think. 
and we are always needing to rely on God's grace. I always need to rely on God's grace. It is. I am very prone to being prideful. I know that about myself, and it's like a daily struggle. I have to remind myself, like I am weaker than I than I think that I am. Like I'm I'm not as strong as I think that I am. I'm always needing to rely on God's grace because, just like everyone else, you know, I am a sinful, broken person, and I need Jesus. But getting back to Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about how marriage can get easily messed up by sin. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they found themselves naked and ashamed. And God actually says in verse 16, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. Now, this means that both sides will want things to be their way. They'll be pitted against each other, making marriage very hard. You know, you'll think like, I only want the best thing for me. You, You stop thinking about the other person. Um, And I'm not saying that Christian marriages are exempt from this. Christian marriages are just as hard as any other marriage. But in a Christian marriage, the difference is in wanting to serve each other rather uh, than not wanting to serve each other and not submitting to each other's will. But you're actually uh, deciding together to submit ultimately to God's will. And that's what I think people get mixed up about Christian marriages is they think that the woman is automatically a passive, submissive weakling. And that's not the case at all. It's actually two people, both the man and the woman deciding together to submit to God's perfect will together. It's, it's nothing, it's got nothing to do with men being better than women or anything like that. So I'm not going to get into it, but you're submitting to God's will together. <laughs> so just like how I was saying, I struggle with pride. I also struggle with submission and I don't mean submission in like that big, scary context that I have to like bow and be passive and do everything that my husband says. What I actually mean is because of all the toxic relationships that I used to be in and all the trauma from that. I struggle a lot with control and I often feel the need, like I need to be in control. I need to know what's going on. It needs to be my way. But my husband is so selfless and he is always trying to put my needs ahead of his own. And because of that, he is such a huge inspiration to me because I've never really experienced that before. And he is always lovingly encouraging me to do the same for him. He's always lovingly encouraging me to pursue being more like Jesus and, uh, to be more gentle and humble. And when you marry a non-Christian, you actually lose out on all of that. And it's actually a really beautiful thing to encourage each other in this way. Um, But when you marry a non-Christian, they're not going to want to submit to Christ as their ultimate authority. And they're not going to encourage you to submit to Christ either. If you think about it this way, when you're a Christian and you marry a non-Christian, it's like two artists trying to paint two different pictures on the same canvas. You're trying to paint Jesus and the church, but your partner is trying to paint something else entirely. So don't be fooled into thinking that you can make it work, because even if you claim that, oh, but they're spiritual, but they're not religious, there's no such thing as spiritual neutrality. I I really hate to say it. There, There really isn't. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, it says, anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. So the Bible makes it very plain. We're either with Jesus or we're against him. There's actually no middle ground. So now I'm going to address perhaps the non-Christians out there that might be listening to this. Thinking back to the story that I mentioned earlier about the girl in the Facebook group breaking up with her non-Christian boyfriend, yes, it may seem like discrimination and it might seem like a huge issue to people who don't believe in God, and I can totally see it that way, but 
it's it's kind of aggressive <laughs> and really rude to say that. So please don't do that because it's actually really manipulative. <laughs> the word discriminate means to recognize a distinction and to differentiate. So it's not inherently a bad word. Um, it's one thing to discriminate against another person of race, color, gender, or whatever if you're trying to decide who to hire at a business, but it's another thing entirely to say you can't choose who you want to marry. When I married my husband, Jesse, I said, I do. And at the same time, I was saying, I don't to everyone else. <laughs> like, I, I'm going to marry this one man and I'm going to be with him for the rest of my life. And that's kind of the point of getting married. You're saying to the world very publicly that you're going to be with one person for the rest of your life. You're differentiating uh, for good. And so, Please just be more gentle, be more sensitive to people who call themselves a Christian. Please be respectful of their faith because ultimately, like, that's a really mean thing to do. <laughs> I, I can't be clearer than that. But going back to the Christian who is listening to this, because I'm sure there are majority Christians listening to this, if someone calls you a bad Christian or they tell you that you're discriminating against them because they're not a Christian and you're choosing that you don't want to marry them because they're not a Christian or whatever, you know, it is. They're trying to get you to discriminate in their favor. Like really think about that. They're trying to get you to discriminate in their favor. They're trying to pressure you into compromising for them and they're being really dishonest and they're trying to manipulate you. And this should actually be a huge red flag and it should be a huge red flag for you that this this is not the person that you should marry and you should definitely run. I know that it might be really hard to do so, but if they really loved you, they would respect your relationship with Jesus and they wouldn't try to pressure you otherwise. So yeah, I hope that helps someone today listening who may be in the same situation. Um, that's all I've really got to say for you guys today. And I just wanted to end by saying thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I hope that it was really useful for you. I was trying to be as sensitive and gentle as possible because <laughs> I know that this can be a bit of a hard issue to cover. Um, but yeah, if this podcast is useful for you and helpful and you're enjoying it, then I would love it if you share it with other people on social media, share it with a friend or if you're on Apple Podcasts, please give this podcast a review, a rating. It really helps get the podcast out there. And yeah, just thanks again for being with me on this episode and I hope to see you next time. Bye.